Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never knew you even had. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 8, Super Bad Boyfriend. And not surprising, I have no fun comment for that title. It seems to be a theme in Season 4 where the names are just nothing. Yeah, I'm just gonna ignore everything that just happened and go straight into the summary. Hopefully you cut out everything that happened because it's gonna make zero sense and it's gonna be perfect. Lucifer trying his hardest to easily break up with Eve only to end up breaking up properly with her and somehow also breaking up with Chloe while Amenadiel gains a son and loses all hope for humanity in a fucking single day. (sighs) We're gonna talk about that. I am not ready. Speaking of breakups, that is my obsession of the week. Breaking up! Yay! This puts us at 4 out of 8, if I'm not mistaken. It is an agreement. Breakup or breaking up is the obsession of this week. I have some very curious facts and funs because I didn't catch most of them. Okay. Let's go through the standards. We have fourth time director Claudia Yarmi. Previous credit was quintessential Decca star. We have tenth time writer returning Jason Ning. Previous credit was OG of Little Faith Father. Our title is set by Lucifer, putting us at six out of eight episode titles by the devil himself. Then, three fun facts from IMDb. One I caught, two I didn't. In a subversion of the convention of immortal beings tending to possess impressive artistic skills because of having had so much time to learn everything, Lucifer is shown to be absolutely horrible at drawing. Yes, I caught that because he made the horrible picture and it's funny. So, yay. Oh, yeah, true, actually. Yeah. Fact number two. This episode marks the very first time in the show that Lucifer actually uses profanity. I didn't catch it. Yeah, he says shit. Ooh. I have it in my notes. When we get to it, I will point it out to you. Perfect. And thirdly, the back of Lucifer's sleeveless hoodie bears a subtle graphic of angel wings. Uh I did not catch that. So you caught one more than me, which is fine, which is fine. Absolutely no problem there. Uh Uh-huh. And that concludes my facts and funs for this week. (sighs) Okay, well, it is time for Previously on Lucifer. Ella has struggled with her faith for a while now. Dan has sicked some bad dudes at Lucy. They try to solve their problems with sex. Mace has been hyper-focusing on Linda's baby and looking for a connection. Ames has fought off his sister and made a decision to raise his kid on Earth. Kinley told Chloe about the prophecy. And Lucy and Eve have been in a relationship which hasn't seemed to have the bestest influence on Lucifer and his wings. I'm sure I have forgotten some bits and I didn't include everything. However, we are getting to the point where a lot of things, especially in such a short season, are becoming relevant. So I just try to keep it short and sweet for you. Perfect. We start with extremely intense music, so I guess you will have to tell us what this is about. No, the intense music is just a mood music for Lucifer. Really? Yeah, actually, it's the first song doesn't come until the next scene. I am disappointed because this was really intense soundtrack and I expected <laughs> to learn who it is from. Oh, sorry. Fun tidbit. The mole visual that he draws, the sketch he does, was done by Tom Ellis himself. Nice. Not surprising, but nice. I really loved the start where we get this super intense music and the hood on the face and it seems very sinister and then at some stages just turn into comedy and then we go back to the sinister. You know, we kind of, our emotions get kind of played at the very first minute minutes and a half. It's very Lucifer with them. Can't you just zhush them up? Just, you know, tattoo them or add some feathers. I love the word zhushing things up. Yeah. And finally, we get recognition that Lucifer does not have but desperately needs to put a lock on the elevator. Yes. 
I was very grateful that it finally gets acknowledged within the show that this is an issue. <laughs> They love a little bit of self-awareness on this show. And oh, there is just so many good quotes in this episode. I have a lot of them written down. And the very first one that I wrote down is, did you hit another bridge whilst flying? <laughs> just, just so funny. I imagine a minute you're flying around and hitting a bridge. I don't really see him as a bad flyer. I mean, now that his wings are properly bagged. Oh, it's so funny. And that happened once, Lucifer. Probably just like with the thing with the goat only happened once and still managed to stick around. Mm. We still don't have an answer for that story, by the way. And I am still demanding it. Oh yeah, we will. I found it very, very sweet that Amenadiel is asking Lucifer to be godfather. Mm -hmm. While it is utterly misplaced to ask devil incarnate to be godfather because of the whole concept behind it, it is still a very nice presentation of the brotherly love that has developed between Amenadiel and Lucifer. Because when we look back all the way to season one, this would never have happened. So I really appreciate the evolution of their relationship with just this small thing that Amenadiel is asking this and The way Lucifer declines also is surprisingly nice for his state of mind because Lucifer is drowning in self-hate and he still manages to let Amenadiel down quite gently. We see this a couple of times, especially at the start of the first half of this episode, where Lucifer is hating himself, but he is not taking it out on people around him, which I just want to give him a hug, Lucifer. To quote a character that you don't know, Poe, but is nerfect. I love you too. But uh, it's just so sad watching him so down because it's not true and I understand why he's feeling that way, but he is not as bad as he sees himself. We're going to talk about that more once we reach the therapy scene. So gonna shelve that discussion until then. Oh, hell yeah. And when uh, he sends off a Menadiel to talk to somebody else who has the fatherly experience, I was really hoping that Ames would go find Dan. Which would be the sensible choice. Which would be definitely more sensible than asking random people in a bar if they have children. That's not Ames, though. But before we go there, we have to go to the crime scene. And all I have to say is awkward. We move to the crime scene with song by the American Gonzos. And it's called Ain't the Best. And I think that, as per usual, the name goes really well with the scene itself. Describe what we have to suffer through. It is very awkward. It is very unbearable. It is not the best. And they did not talk like adults, even though they claim that they did. I was very uncomfortable with all of this. So I was very thankful when Chloe shows up. For very short moments there, I was afraid that they're going to try to say, let's give this meaning and let's pretend that this wasn't what it was by trying to make this into a relationship. But luckily, this is not where they went. Thankfully, Dan is in much too a toxic place to even consider that. So I was not worried about that. Oh my god, Dan. Okay, well, we'll get to that when we get to that we get chloe walking in and she has a brief conversation with lucifer lucifer puts himself down in front of her she is preoccupied by the prophecy there is a lot of things happening in this scene from all the protagonists so they don't really pay enough attention to the rest of the group so nobody actually calls anybody out or notices there's anything wrong which is basically the theme of the entire season four that everyone is so wrapped up within their own bullshit that they don't take time or energy to pay attention to anyone else. And I feel like so much of the dramas in the different storylines could have been avoided if at least one of them managed to get their head out of their ass for just one second. And I don't want to take away from their individual issues because all of them have more than valid and painfully cruciating experiences to work through. But still, just because you're in pain doesn't mean that you cannot see the pain in other people. Yeah, for sure. Chloe and Lucifer go up to Dan and Ella and we have this horrifying exchange that was so painful. Hi, Dan's ex-wife. Just don't, Ella. Please, just don't. And again, Lucifer takes the blame for himself. And I was just... Oh, just stop it. That would be rational, Lena. 
We don't do rational. We make it through this and we leave Ella and Dan behind. And I was very, very thankful that Chloe pretty much immediately is like, hey, Lucifer, can we talk? And she comes clear relating to all the prophecy and Kinley stuff and why she talked to him and everything. And I didn't even mind Lucifer, oh, thinking of new ways to send me to hell. Like that made sense to me. That was good. Of course, I have to mention that Lucifer references two things when he responds to hearing about the prophecy because he says frogs falling from the sky which is one of the actual biblical plagues and of course he says winter is coming which is a game of thrones reference whose final season was in the process of airing when lucifer season four was being released on netflix oh yeah that makes sense yes i agree the fact that chloe decided to share i was very excited about i wouldn't be completely shocked if she didn't and she would bottled it up to try to avoid more drama then it would come out and it would be even more drama so appreciate this and please yes let's normalize sharing what's on your mind especially if it's directly connected to the other person communication talk 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 and of course they finished their conversation and lucifer has the worst possible solution he's just gonna be somehow breaking up with eve you know what though you can tell immediately that he is jumping on it because he wanted to do it and this finally gives him an excuse to do it so uh, obviously when then he brings it up to eve in the penthouse it doesn't stick because it's not the real reason why he's trying to break up with her and i don't think he was aware of the real reason at this point in time yeah you're right well we'll talk about that later on but we go over to the penthouse and he tries to break up with eve and he does so in the worst way possible which is to be expected and eve would not be such a great girlfriend if she didn't have the exact same problematic habit as lucifer does which is taking exactly the wrong part of a sentence to mind and she takes the love part as being the relevant part uh-huh and this is the moment where lucifer says shit oh because he reacts to her running away being so excited about you know him saying i love you in her own mind and he's just like oh shit this happened i was so preoccupied with him being so utterly uncomfortable within this that i completely missed the shit yeah and this is of course also the moment where the challenge is accepted to be so bad a boyfriend to find a way to break up with her yes The challenge is accepted, find a way, and we get our title card. And immediately after the title card, we head back into the school where we meet a character of Lexi. I really love within the conversation, how does one turn nay to yay? Yeah, that is a great conversation. (laughs) I hated Lexi immediately because she drops the fact that she's going to Harvard about 50,000 times in one conversation. Which is absolutely normal for people going to Harvard. I don't know. I never actually met anybody who actually went to Harvard and it wasn't on television but yeah as you mentioned there's a whole bunch of different conversation that we have and some of them are excellent when it comes to the puns and board plays and stuff like that and we get to meet some uh, random dude and then we get to meet Lexi's boyfriend. The random dude is Caleb and not some random dude. What? That wasn't Caleb. It was Caleb. That is Caleb. Oh, fuck. I completely... That's where Caleb comes from. That's why he shows up in Lux later on. That's why he goes, aren't you the dude who grants favors? And then later on he shows up at Lux looking for a favor. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't know why I didn't connect it as, a, as the same person. <laughs> My brain was just probably all over the place nice okay mainly i just thought that you know it's a common knowledge that lucifer grants favors so i just assumed that he is just a different child i don't know all children look alike to me so after lexi we talk to caleb which of course sets off our whole amenadiel b plot later on and after that we talk to lexi's boyfriend That actor I know from Insatiable. Mm -hmm. And of course we have the whole, well, she had an affair with my dad. And this was like, okay, we are now on a funny goose chase. And Lucifer is going to take inspiration from these discussions, storytellings. And so, of course, from this conversation, she takes, ah, couples therapy, which is a repeated thing in this show that we now have couples therapy because he also used it with Chloe 
when he was together with Candy. And so I was very, very curious how couples therapy with Linda would go. And I already felt very sorry for Linda. I was very excited to see that. Yes, I agree. Also, ah, Linda, poor Linda in like ninth month of pregnancy or something like that. Having to deal with Lucifer is... But we can move on to our next scene and it's uh, one of the many scenes in Lux that we're gonna have. There is a whole bunch of songs. Every single time we move to Lux, we get a new song. They're all very dancey, so I'm just gonna throw in the names of them at the beginning of each scene. And the first one is called Shooter by Tosh. And Ames shoots at all the wrong people because why would you talk to anyone about children at Lux? It was very obvious to me from the very beginning that this was gonna go extremely badly but I need to mention that the dude who plays the you can be my daddy card he got ripped like when you look at his IMDB profile he has a beard and he looks 15 years older and super hot wow I have a link for the picture in my notes if you want to check it out Okay, uh, next time, if you come across something like that, send it into our chat, please. Thank you. Goodbye. Ah. Anyway, yeah, Caleb shows up. This time I actually noticed that it's Caleb. Um, <laughs> here comes my attention span. And Emanidiel takes it as an opportunity to prove himself that he can be a father. And at this stage, I was convinced that he's gonna fuck it up somehow. Yeah. How surprised was I later on? But this moment... I was just like, oh, this is gonna go so bad. Before we follow Amenadiel on his B-plot, we have to go back to the precinct. And Ella is so bad at playing it cool. Yes. Which is hilarious because to me this also means that she has a really hard time at keeping secrets in general. Which also, again, doesn't match with some things of her darker past that has been hinted on that she has no trouble keeping from people. Like the whole talking to an invisible person and being an author. All the things that came out very slowly over the course of this season or at the end of season three. It's very interesting that sometimes she is so awkward and incapable of keeping secrets. And on the other hand, she has all these hidden backstory that she's not freely sharing with people and seems not to have any issue keeping from them. I feel like those are very different in a sense of it's easier to keep a secret if somebody doesn't know that you have a secret. But if it involves somebody else in the friend group, something like that, it just feels like a little bit of a different type of a secret. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I never actually thought of it that way. Also, I have to point out that now she's wearing a shirt with a T-Rex who's breathing out a rainbow. I noticed that one. So her shirts are definitely the best shirts. We get a, a little plot twist at the end of this scene where she receives a phone call and she mentions Tiernan and I was immediately wondering what's happening and I completely blanked on uh, what this could have been from my previous watch so I was just very intrigued. I had completely forgotten the name Tiernan, completely blanked, I was like no idea what this is relating to but it was made in a way that it was very ominous so it was clear that it was, it was gonna be something bad. We go back to Lux. Hey. And this time with a song called Wild Jungle by Bethyen and Taurus. Which makes perfect sense because Mace is meeting or dating a character whose name is literally Mirror Mace. That explains why she felt like she's dating herself in a human form. Yep, I really like this setup. It was great casting. The costume was great. And then I checked the credits. It was literally, this character is called Miro Mace. It's great. But that's all I have on this scene. I mean, it's curious that trying to date yourself and then the answer is, no, you're too clingy. Because what does that say about Mace? Exactly. But uh, we can go to the scene that we were all waiting for one of the first therapy scenes and I have to start this off by saying I love Linda. I love that she knows this will not end well. I love that Lucifer <laughs> crosses his fingers when she says that and yeah there is a twist that I didn't see coming but I didn't write down what it was. Well probably the twist you didn't see coming is that Linda and Eve end up bonding oh. with each other which to oh. me 
was completely obvious because Eve has bonded with everyone. This is basically Eve's superpower. And it was so adorable in the beginning because Linda is so flustered at Eve, literally the first woman. It's like meeting a dinosaur. You're my great, 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 you know, grandmother. And like, it was very, very cute. But Linda wouldn't be Linda if she didn't collect herself very, very fast. And then even Linda bond. And Lucifer sees this happening and he has no way of stopping any of this. And when he tries to get to the prophecy part and basically present his reasoning why he thinks a breakup via therapy might be sensible, Eve accuses him of deflecting. And Linda agrees. And so he doesn't even get the space to make his point. And this is one of my issues in quotation marks with Eve, because I don't have a problem with it, but this is what is so annoying about her sometimes, that everyone takes instantly to her and by that behavior negates any space for anyone else. And we see the same thing happen with Ella in the expire erect. She wants to be mad at Eve, but there's no way she can be mad at Eve. We see the same thing happen in this episode when Maze does her test dating with her and completely focuses on her. Even Chloe, when she has direct contact with Eve, is very quickly on board with, oh, maybe Eve is the right person for Lucifer. And it feels like as long as you are within the vicinity of Eve, you are basically under some kind of spell to be very, very positive towards Eve. And I do wonder if this effect wears off with a time and maybe that also plays into why Lucifer went into this rebound relationship so quickly and now is trying to get out of it. Because I do not think that he was completely unaffected by the Eve effect. So on this watch through and on this detailed watching of these episodes, I am noticing that they gave Eve so many more layers than I realized on my first watch. And I hated Eve with a passion on my first watch. And now I have come to really appreciate the character and the depth that they have given her. So yeah, just had to point that out. Sorry. That's all right. Well, we can follow our side plot for a little moment there. We follow Ames and Caleb to the hood. And immediately I was wondering how badly this is gonna go. And I have to say, he is doing the right thing on one hand. Technically, he is trying to help this kid and he's trying to handle it himself to prove himself that he is a good father material or whatever. I have to say, though, I would prefer for him to go through Chloe immediately, either Chloe or Mace, because if he went directly to Chloe and talked to her about the drugs, it may have helped Caleb and maybe some things would not have happened. But then it would not have been him handling things and he is in this dire need to prove himself. Exactly. And once he talks to the gang members, it's too late to go to Chloe. It's too late to get the police involved because there is a direct threat if you get the police involved we will kill you I just was a bit disappointed that all of this happens over the course of one single day I would have liked to have a bit more time to make it more plausible because not just the Manadiel's plot but also the super bad boyfriend storyline is all compressed within a single day we've said it before season four is way too short to care about timing, about the reality of time. But still. I know what you're saying, but we've talked about this, Lena. You should accept it by now. Like, you should know better. No. But before we go into the super bad boyfriend montage, we have to go to the precinct so Lucifer can get the idea of the super bad boyfriend montage. Mm-hmm. Because we talked to Lexi's boyfriend's dad. I didn't even write down his name because he's just Lexi's boyfriend and he's just Lexi's boyfriend's dad. And so, of course, he. Here we learned that basically he had not given his wife any other option than to break up with him because he was the cliche bad husband. So ta-da-da! Let's cue up the penthouse super bad boyfriend montage of Lucifer trying to be the worst possible boyfriend. And who boy! Uh, we get a song which is YouTube only. I say YouTube only. I 
have not found it as a song per se. The only thing that I found is the video actually directly from this episode where the song is playing underneath it. So unfortunately, Bad As You by Blueberry Johnson, according to the website that I usually follow, however, not confirmed for me by actually finding the artist nor the song. Hmm. We have some really, really interesting paralleling in this montage. A, we see Lucifer smoking, which again is rare. Oh, he's not actually puffing. He has a smoking cigarette in his mouth, which is very, very rare. Okay. And he's wonderfully gross with the nose picking and the chomping down on the Cheetos or whatever it is. We see Eve collect beer bottles and those bottles are Shinerbock, which is an actual Texan beer. So not prop made for just the show. Lucifer and Eve both play fantasy football. If you want to know about fantasy football, you have to listen to my Devils in the Details because I did not know a single thing about it, so I read up on it. Lucifer's fantasy football team is called Show Us Your TDs. Ha ha ha. As in, okay. As in TDs, but it is spelled T-D. Well, because then you can make it an acronym and it says STD. In theory. And of course, all of his color scheme is red, with red plastic cups, red paper plates, red sports strings. Later on, Eve has her party and her team name is The Apple Bottoms. And of course, her color scheme is green, with green cups and green napkins and everything, because apples, green, ha ha ha. Because apple teeny, that's what she drinks. And her team is called The Apple Bottoms, which is also a very nice because one is tits and one is butts you know when lucifer is gaming his gamer name is mfn devil so motherfucking devil when eve later on joins him her gamer tag is first woman and the i in first is a one so very good name tags i have to say also i really appreciated eve is the better gamer of the two of course of course she is she is better at everything and this entire montage it was really fun it was well done i thoroughly enjoyed it and when it ends it's very very painful because he leaves for work instead of joining the game and you can see how painful this is to Eve. I know I talked about this in the past but Eve's sole purpose with Lucifer is to be the perfect girlfriend just like she tried to be the perfect wife to Adam. She really does not have any concept of who or what she is and who or what she wants in all reality and so I do hope that this gets verbalized at some point because we they try a bit in this episode but they don't go all the way so curious where this leads. Okay well, the only thing I have to add is she is indeed changing herself quite a lot for Lucifer, which goes directly against what she was trying to do at the beginning. And the sadness that you see in her when Lucifer goes off to work is there, in my opinion, because she can start a fantasy football league, she can kiss a girl that Lucifer was snogging before, she can do all these, she can insert herself into every aspect of his life, but not work. That's the one thing that she will never be part of, and she knows that. So, uh, it was an interesting view that moment. Anyway, we get to one of the most horrific scenes of this entire episode. And that is when Amenadiel and Caleb are out for ice cream. And it all starts with Amenadiel being honest, which I didn't expect. And really, I give him props for that. I did not expect him to go straight up. Well, I'm about to be a dad. I'm terrified. I have no idea what I'm doing. So basically, I'm practicing on you. And props to Caleb for just rolling with it. Yeah, I feel like the relationship that they set up for for themselves. It made sense to me that Caleb would more likely accept the truth than if Amandil tried to play it off as something else and while also simultaneously Amenadiel will always just tell the truth because even though it is not his rule he doesn't really have a reason to lie especially right now so uh, yeah it was a beautiful moment they have this great thing where they talk about plants and you know Caleb kind of accepts yeah they bond yeah it's beautiful it's really nice to watch and then mm-hmm. and then and then and this moment, it feels differently to me than when I watched it the first time. I have to admit that it always been very uncomfortable to watch, but seeing this, especially after the events of the last year or so, and a lot of things have come to light for me, and I grew up privileged enough to think that a lot of these things that I see on telly are not actually as real as they show them. It's exaggerated. It felt, it felt like, oh, it's television. It's never the same in the 
real life. But seeing the things that happened in the past year, I have been shown that that is not the case. And I feel very, um, I feel sad for myself that I wasn't able to see that before. The international outcry and effect that both Brianna Taylor and George Floyd's murders brought caused many people to be to have to face the actual reality of police brutality especially when it comes to people of color because you and me we are both white we are by just the luck of the draw already in a different position when it comes to interacting with police we are both female which Sometimes it's an advantage and sometimes it's a misadvantage when dealing with police. But we have never, ever been confronted by police just because of the color of our skin. So I was aware of other cases before. I was very much aware that this is gruesome reality, not just in America, but also in Germany. That as soon as your skin color drops below a certain melanin count or above a certain melanin count, you get treated very, very differently. And so this scene always was a very real moment within a TV show because you have two black men being confronted by police. The police very instantly display aggression and willingness to use their weapons. Caleb on the ground, desperately trying to keep Amenadiel from behaving in a way that is gonna make it even more dangerous to him or to them both. And the only way that pauses all of this, even for a fraction, is the moment a white police officer steps in. And that is the only reason why Amenadiel does not get either shot or also arrested. And this is actually something that also got addressed in, I think, Criminal Minds? It's been shown on a, a few shows like in the latest years. I don't recall the episode of Criminal Minds. I can tell you about the an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Terry Crews. That was also really, really well done. And I am, for one, very grateful that I get to see these things shown the way they are. It needs to be explained to people who are not in contact with this on an everyday basis. We need to listen more. And if we happen to, to witness, it is always important to document and to film and to question because in too many cases not just with George Floyd but in too many cases the only reason there was even the shadow of justice being delivered was because there was video evidence of the misconduct and so it is very important to pay attention stay vigilant when you are on the street and you see police doing something film them check your laws but most likely it is legal for you to film police I know it is in Germany so that is what I'm doing when I'm on my bicycle and I pass a police control of something. I stop, I take out my phone and I start filming. So we need to be vigilant and we need to do our part because society is not going to change unless everyone is willing to do that. So vote out assholes from politics and try your best. You know what? I knew that this was going to get real. Yeah. It had to. I mean, listen, this is not political. This is about human rights. Even we need to change it on a political level because otherwise... Yes, you are right. And then uh, just another address and horrible thing that we get spoken in the following scene where Emmanuel and Dan have a conversation and Ames asks what is going to get done about this. And the only thing that Dan has to offer is I'm gonna file a complaint this was not okay what they did they acted with excessive force and Ames looks at him says what changes will come as a result of your complaint and the fact that Dan admits to his face probably nothing that's just terrifying the fact that these things are horrible and they happen pretty much every day and people are aware within the system yeah they are aware within the system that even if they complained it's not gonna do anything but also I say still do it still complain because maybe one day there's gonna be an enough of it. Maybe there's gonna be somebody who's gonna say, this is enough. Anyway, so Dan is trying to be a decent human being. For one second. Yeah, remember how you feel right now. You're not gonna get to feel that about Dan for the rest of the episode. Ella shows up and she talks to Dan about the ominous phone call and then it was like, oh right, that was the dude where Lucifer broke the back. And Dan tries to distract Ella by kissing her and props to him, as bad as it is, it works. It grows. 
though. It's so bad. Yeah, but it works. I Yes, it works. He had two options, come clean or distract her. He went with option B and he did it masterfully. I hate it, but it was good. You hate it, but it was functional. Let's please not call it good. It was really smart. He's douching it up to the extreme and he's really, really good as douche. I hate it, but I cannot deny that he's great at it. I don't like using words like good and great about this type of behavior. That's okay. So we continue in this scene. It's getting very over overall emotional for me. We get Aminadil visiting Caleb in the holding cell. He's very aware about his chances and it's very painful. It's just so sad and it's wrong. But it's reality. He's not wrong with anything what he says. And I do wonder if this day would have gone differently if Lucifer had been the one to grant the favor. Chances are it would. Because Lucifer, I don't think he would take the hands-on approach. I think that he would try to solve it through his contacts rather than he himself personally with Caleb there. So, yes. I was just wondering about that because if yes, the whole blame game later on, of course, is gonna have a very different weight. Also, for me, explains a bit why Lucifer is as supportive to Amenadiel because granting favor is his business and Amenadiel basically took over his job for this one person and then it all goes wrong. I wonder if Lucifer, in character with his persona in this episode, also blames himself for this. Wouldn't surprise me. Let's move to funny and lighthearted shit that I can also still complain about. Give us the song for Lux, please. Okay, song for Lux is called With You by Anything Anything. What the fuck? is Maze doing with Peter, who also is an alpha and seriously ends the conversation with Milady. He's only missing a fedora. I mean, he's written superbly and disturbing and cringy and horrifying, but how did May set up these dates? Did she not have any kind of check before? Did she just swipe right, I think, on all of them? Or I don't know. I would assume that this was a partially catfish situation from his side where he may have not presented himself uh, the real way because this is the only way I can see that Maze would ever agree to meet such a person. So I don't know. I don't know. It's gross. So thankfully, Peter fucks off and Eve sees May sitting there and so she walks up to her and goes like, hey girl, what's going on? And Mace explains the whole ordeal with her 21 bad dates and that the next one is already like due to come any moment and Eve lets her practice on her. And Eve coaching Mace was really, really awesome. Really hilarious. It was so sweet. Also really hot, I have to say. And so Maze also is really into this to the point that her next date, who was really hot. I don't know. He felt like a cute boy. No, he was really hot, but he brought flowers to a bar date and that's a big no-no. But face-wise and body-wise, hot damn. And so she just like, oh no, he's a no-show and continues being coached by Eve, which of course in my brain goes... Ding, 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 alarm bells. Because that's the normal behavior I have with anything Eve related. (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing if not paranoia in my brain when it comes to Eve. I can't blame you. She has been proving you right for the last three episodes constantly. So I might side with you on that one for now, just because of your track record. (laughs) Not that I actually believe there is a reason to be suspicious. I'm still wondering if it was really Eve's idea to come to Earth or if there's going to be like a grand plot in the background or something. So, yeah. Conspiracy brain. Yeah, I have many tinfoil hats when it comes to Eve. (laughs) You might start taking them off. It's going to take a while, though. Maybe another two episodes. Probably. And then we're going to talk about all of my tinfoil hats in the summoning episode. For which, by the way, when this episode comes out will be the very last day that you people will be able to send us your feedback. So get those emails writing. My, my, how the time flies. Anywho, we get this beautiful date slash not date and it's super sweet and beautiful and everything. But we had 
over to Precinct with a title drop. With the title drop. And Lucifer and Chloe had a short discussion about, you know, what to do in this situation. And Lucifer poses a question to Chloe and it just assumes that she doesn't know him. Or like, who else would know him and accept him or whatever. It's not in these words, but this is what I've taken from it. And I'm just sitting there looking at them and just, Chloe knows you though. She does and she cares about you. But she doesn't accept him as he is and I'm gonna talk about that in the end no I don't disagree with that but that doesn't change the fact that she does know him she knows parts of him but we're gonna talk about this at the very end when he breaks up with Eve and Chloe <laughs> yes and into this debate we have a mini deal showing up with a list of names and I love this I absolutely love that Supercop Chloe is still on her game because her gut already told her that Caleb is innocent. So even without a Manadiel's interference, Caleb would not have gone to jail for a crime he didn't commit because Chloe would not have rested until she sorts this out. So yay for Supercop Chloe. Nowadays, I love it when we get her super sights. I used to be very annoyed by it. I remember. No. Yeah, well, they figure out that there's a match. Made in Harvard. Because two people on those lists are dating. I really like the setup. Basically, they sit Lexi down in the interrogation room and she does the whole cry fest. And then the camera pans over when Chloe leaves the room and we see Lexi's boyfriend, Nate. Here I wrote down a name. Oh, lovely. Behind the window with his father. And I don't know if you've ever watched Insatiable. If you haven't, I don't recommend the show. It's highly problematic and there's a lot of fat shaming in there and many, many issues. But his storyline from Nate, the character, felt kind of reminiscent of his character on Insatiable. So that was kind of hilarious to me. Well, we had Nate coming out with the truth and then I have written down a sentence uh, that was like, this is the sentence of the entire episode. Lexi just wanted me to be someone I'm not and I should have stood up to her before anybody got heard and lucifer yes. maybe get a little close up on his face and he goes like oh i should have realized that i can stand up to her and we have this big realization i think the realization was more that she wants me to be someone i'm not and i don't want to be not that i can stand up to eve yes but lena that's not funny that's just wholesome okay Caleb is walking free. We see Amenadiel has his necklace back and we have this extremely sweet moment with Caleb and Amenadiel on the stairs of the precinct when Caleb tells Amenadiel that he really doesn't need to worry about becoming a dad because he really got it down and they agree that they're gonna have they're gonna stay in touch basically. This wraps up the precinct and so we go once again back to Lux. So give us the song girl. It's called Thinking by Noroi. And Mace shares a story of watching a movie laughing at the end and being called evil and heartless and the movie she's talking about is Marley and Me have you ever watched Marley and Me? actually haven't do you know the story? no it's about a dog and a dog dies at the end oh god it's a dog film I heard of that yeah it's one of them there's very many the dog dies at the end and it's very very tragic and very sad especially when you like dogs and basically most people expect you to be sad when the dog dies and in Frankie and Grace there's a bit that the completely heartless bitch daughter of Grace once a year has a cry fest where she only watches movies where animals die because that's the only thing that can make her cry. Oh my god. And so Mace thought it was a comedy which of course is hilarious but I don't blame the person she was watching the movie with to be shooketh by that reaction because that is not the expected reaction to Marley and Me. Yeah, my only experience with Marley and Me is the dozens of references in different TV shows slash podcasts slash movies to the film being a sob story. So do we have to watch that movie and record you crying? I don't like watching animals die. That's boo. But we fun to see you cry for once on screen. I never cry. Except when you talk about David Bowie. Maybe Marley and Me would make you cry. 
why. Anyhow. Okay, we went completely off track. That we did. While all of this is happening with Maze and Eve, we have an apparently really, really drunk Dan sitting on the bar at Lux watching Maze and Eve. And I was very uncomfortable with that because it felt extremely creepy to me. Uh-huh. And I had a hard time figuring out why he was watching. And then Maze walks up to the bar and he basically bumps into her like, oh, Maze, with his drunken talk. And he goes, assholes like us. And to that I say two things. A, at least Dan is self-aware that he's an asshole. So yay. Because self-awareness is the first necessary step to become better. So I am gonna take this sliver of a win. (laughs) But also B, his view of Maze is in a very stark contrast than what we had just in this and in the previous Lux scene be mirrored by Eve when it came to Maze. So I feel like this was really, really well done that we have Maze, a character that we have been in contact with episode one. And now we directly, with context to each other, we have these two very different interpretations of who she is and what she is. And so writing-wise, this was once again, yes, this is the quality I want from Lucifer. Absolutely. I can give you a reasoning why Dan was there watching, because... I would imagine that he felt like shit for what he just did to Ella. So he decided to take it out by maybe, you know, grabbing Mace and and go beat somebody up or maybe try to get her to, you know, do one of their normal shenanigans. And he gets to Lux and he sees her chatting with Eve, which sends him even more spiraling and he starts drinking. And then obviously he creates a very uncomfortable situation for everyone. Everybody involved. He's trolling for a fight. Oh yeah, of course. And Mace also catches on. You want me to beat you up. He is looking for a way to punish himself in more ways than he can punish himself. And I mean, Mace, not the worst choice. It's a valid choice. Go to hell's best torturer to get punished. But Mace is preoccupied by being more than just hell's best torturer. However, I don't think that she would take it as torture if the person is asking for it. She has engaged in kink play where the punishment is delivered to a willing recipient. Yes, that is a kink play though. And especially if she knows that it's still hurting him and just because he knows he deserves it, so do all the souls in hell. That's why they are in hell. So it's not that different from her usual previous job. I feel like the motivation is fairly different and uh, timing is just not right anyway for the situation to happen. But yes, the one sliver of hope that I take from this scene is the fact that Dan knows that he's an asshole and that this is not okay and he should not be behaving this way. However, everything else, he is just such a piece of shit and I'm so done with him by now. I'm, I just I just can't. I'm not done with him at all. I know you're not, but this is my stance and I wanted to voice it. We go up to the penthouse and Lucifer utters the worst sentence in any relationship. We need to talk. I mean, this is the cliche intro to any breakup text is, honey, we need to talk. And they start having their conversation and Eve says that she is awesome and that she deserves to be treated well. And I'm fully with her. But I was very sad that she did not make that final step by herself, that it was necessary for Lucifer to actually break up with her because she is still not at the point where, yes, I am awesome and yes, I deserve to be treated well also goes hand in hand with, and maybe I need to get to know myself first to actually know what I want out of a relationship. Yeah, not to mention it should go hand in hand with you are not doing that, hence you should not be around. Yeah, and so Lucifer finally voices the when I'm with you, I'm someone I don't want to be anymore. And then she she tries to convince him. Then he says, I don't like who I am with you. And that is something that rings really close to my heart. Because depending on what relationships you have with people, sometimes you have people who draw out the worst sides of you. That you are aware of and that you are fighting against, basically. But it is so much easier to just be that type of person with the other people in your life. And 
it might be your romantic partner, it might be a sex partner, it might be a friend, it might be a coworker, whatever. But sometimes you just have people in your life that literally bring out the worst within you. So the I don't like who I am when I'm with you is very, very close to reality to me. And I think this is something very healthy to realize. Because once you realize that certain people have certain effects on you or that you have certain effects on people, because sometimes it might be yourself that creates this bad or unhealthy behavior in other people, then it's good to recognize this and maybe try to change something about it. So I like it when they get so real without making a big deal about realness within the episode. Because this is once again depth in writing that I appreciate. Since this is an audio medium, I just want our listeners to know that there is a lot of nodding coming from my side. (laughs) I want to point out one more thing about this moment, and that is that Lucifer, the way he tells her, the way he approaches the situation, he is so soft and he cares. He's in so much pain. It is pain, but also you can see that he truly does care about her. He just does not care about her in a way that she wants him to or she needs him to. He doesn't want to hurt her, but he knows that he has to do this. So uh, I just wanted to shine a little bit of light on uh, that. But before they can properly end this breaking up conversation, Lucifer's phone rings. Sadly, we have to go straight back to darkness and despair because Chloe calling Lucifer looking for a mana deal all by itself does not bode well. This moment, it was clear as day that something must have happened to Caleb. And I was extremely upset. We moved very quickly to the street and to the body and we are looking at Amenadiel's reaction. Lucifer is sitting in the background and Chloe comes up to Ames and she really, really tries to comfort him and say, we will find them. We will find whoever done this. This is her giving what she can, but it is not enough, especially since Ames knows who did this. So obviously Lucifer kind of comes up to Amenadiel. He instantly takes his side and I love it so much. Seriously, the brother relationship between Lucifer and Amenadiel is one of the positive highlights in this episode. Not that I dislike the negative part and the episode but this is one of the few good things that happen and stay with us mm-hmm. the one that doesn't make us cry or mad or upset or despair and so it's hunting time and with hunting time comes a song which is by the artist named stealth and the song's name is judgment day how fitting also it is the song i talked about in my devils in the music so if you want to know a little bit more about the artist and the song itself please tune in to our bonus i even took note that this is a great song because this is now retribution time they arrive there it is so fucking awesome how lucifer is just keeping the others off of a mana deal he just flashes his red eyes he doesn't even touch them in any way and a mana deal just lets loose and he wails on the top head of the gangers but it wouldn't be a mana deal if he weren't to stop himself in his righteous fury yes ah it's so good i remember when i was watching this the first time i didn't really understand why they killed him anyway and even now when i watched it the only explanation that i have is that he was arrested and then let go which in eyes of these people meant he talked and that makes me even more upset because that's not the case and it was just everybody claiming that they know what's happening even they don't know it's never a good thing and so a mana deal also would not be a mana deal if he didn't completely overreact after a single day of interacting with a proper human being and now within just one day he has lost faith in all of humanity and I fear that this will not go well for his little family because there are only a certain number of ways that this can now play out and none of them are good for Linda. Yep, literally he says Earth is no place to raise my son. And I just said well, make up your mind, dude. This is gonna suck. And it is especially gonna suck because this once again will put Lucifer between two parties that he actually cares both for. And so this is just gonna be shit. And we are wrapping up 
are sorry in the next scene. Another Lux visit. Do we also get a song here? Not in this one. This is the one where Lucifer sits in silence in Lux and Chloe, the good soul that she is, comes in to check on him. And because she is still with her usual, but you changed. You're a good man. Which is definitely not what he wants to hear right now or what he needs to hear right now. Well, at least we get a little bit of vindication for ourselves here. He says when he's talking about Eve, she was in love with the man I used to be, which is something that we talked about a lot, especially in the last couple of episodes. So thank you, the show Lucifer, and thank you, Lucifer, the character, to <laughs> confirm that for us. He also references that he didn't like the way she made him feel, but this also applies to Chloe. She also makes him feel a way he doesn't like. And so this, to me, is a breakup scene as well. And I want to talk about that in my final thoughts. But I appreciate parallels and mirroring. And this is where the parallel is made painfully clear. That Eve is the one for who he used to be and no longer wants to be. And Chloe is the one for a potential future him who he does not see himself as capable or able to be. So one makes him feel inferior and the other makes him feel inadequate. And so I don't blame him that he says... You know, both of you, fuck off. <laughs> I didn't actually see it exactly this way. I more saw his, as you call it, breakup with Chloe as a, you are expecting me to be better just because you want me to be somebody else. However, mainly to me that meant I need to figure out who I am. The thing that we talked about that Eve should do, he is now going off trying to figure out who he actually is, not who he tried to be for anybody else. So to me, this is a big growing moment of I want to figure out what I want first before I continue to pursue anything in my life. I would agree with you if we didn't have the final scene, because that negates it to me. Yeah, this is something that striked me a little bit more intensely. I didn't feel that it got negated later on, but yes, anyway, in this moment, this is how I felt very strongly. And as he is walking off, we get the final song of this episode called River by Leon Bridges. And this river plays while we are in the morgue and Ames says goodbye to Caleb and puts his fucking necklace around the boy because even though it was just one day, he really did bond with Caleb. And and while it feels quite over the top for him to hand over his necklace, he also doesn't have anything else of significance that he would be able to hand over. So it is literally the only thing. It's a beautiful gesture. And as I said before, I just wish we had more than one day to make it a bit more believable. I get that. And I understand where you're coming from. I have completely stopped perceiving time <laughs> in season four because it has repeatedly showed that the time flies on a different pace in season four and I understand that from a logistical point of view they needed to smoosh things into less episodes so I am convinced that this was the sort of a day that felt like 20 years so it is plenty believable for me that they bonded so well. And with this, we go into the final scene of this episode and Lucifer continues his theme, which was, by the way, my runner-up for uh, Obsession of the Week, which is self-blame. It was my own bloody fault, is what he says. And he truly believes this. He truly believes that all of this is his own bloody fault. And Linda really pushes him in this session. While I think it comes too late with the pushing, I really appreciate that she pushes him. Because as she says, this is a breakthrough. This is is a really really important moment in his evolution and it is hilarious on a very interesting level that after the breakup comes the breakthrough because that's how it usually works i have actually written down the entire final quote for himself so I first written down the truth is so much harder to face. And yes, I agree. This was the one of the first breakthrough. But then he starts saying, if I'm doing this to myself, then the real truth is. And then he hesitates and Linda pushes him a little bit more. And then he finishes the thought. He says, there is something rotten inside me. I find it nearly impossible to drown out the constant cacophony of voices whispering in my ear, telling me I am evil. I'm drowning, doctor. And I can't 
stop asking myself, why do I hate myself so much? And that is just so painful, but it's also an extremely good depiction of several mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Shutting out the voices is the hardest part of many many mental health problems and his phrasing of drowning in the cacophony of voices is very very literal but also very very good in a descriptive sense and the why do i hate myself so much is now finally the verbalization of basically the entire season four arc because this is at the core of all of this and of course it got triggered by chloe's inability to simply just accept his devil side which is humanly understandable because even though she is super cop Chloe and super mom Chloe she is still only human and so what it got triggered by her not blind acceptance of himself this has been at the core of his issues for much longer than just season four and in my opinion Chloe was supposed to be a way to not have to deal with this instead she was the catalyzer and so as painful as this therapy session is I think it is a very good depiction of a healthy session and hopefully now that he was able to verbalize this Linda will also be able to help him work through it because as I said with Dan self-awareness is the first step that you have to take before you can actually change something and now that he has verbalized that he sees the issue within himself and that he hates himself he can actually start working through that of course we also get the whole I'm doing this to myself self-actualizing thing which duh of course this is why you now have devil wings Lucifer thank you for being with the program but wings <laughs> So, yeah, heavy, heavy episode. Ames faced the reality of living on Earth. Dan has genuinely hit the rock bottom and he better fucking pick himself up because I am about ready to write him off. I am so against so many things that he did this episode. Mason Eve done some growing and bonding, which is very amazing. It was very cute and very lovely to see. And Chloe is trying really, really hard to be there for Lucifer. She really does. I absolutely loved Linda and what she has managed to shrink in this episode. And most importantly to me, Lucifer and what he goes through. The hard work that it feels that he does on himself. It's a start. It's good. The fact that he breaks up with Eve. The fact that he has the conversation with Chloe. But the last session, it's pain. Yeah, but the good one. <sighs> yes. The healing pain. Hopefully. There is so much going on in this episode and somehow it is still not enough. Lucifer's descent into finally verbalizing his self-hate is incredibly painful, like you just said, but it's also really, really well-written and awesomely done. Damn them writers. <laughs> His conversation with Eve was so very good. Both him telling her that she's more than amazing and that she deserves someone who accepts her and her acknowledging and agreeing with that. But also Lucifer acknowledging the fact that he does not like his own self that he is with her. Because this really is becoming one of the main parts of Lucifer to show that is identity and self-awareness. Amenadiel spending this one very human day with Caleb is probably going to be the base for some really bad baby plot lines in the next two episodes. And as much as I don't care about the baby, I also don't want Amenadiel or anyone else to take the baby away from Linda. Maze's dating side plot was hilarious, though her connection with Eve, as I said, kind of rings all the warning bells for me. Because who's to say that even if Eve is now looking for a rebound, that Maze won't end up getting hurt even more. And I'm, of course, always against that. Dan continues his descent into douchedom, but at least he's self-aware. Thankfully, the thing with Ella seems to stay a one-time thing that hopefully will stop being awkward in the next episode already, so we can just pretend it never even happened. The only one I absolutely cannot place in this episode is Chloe. On the one hand, she is honest with Lucifer when sharing the prophecy. On the other side, she is still going for the you changed, she became a better man, which just puts so much more pressure on Lucifer and is exactly the wrong thing to do in this moment. It really feels that Lucifer is between two sides, one pulling him to his old dark self and one pushing him to a potential new bright self, but neither is truly him, neither is his authentic self. And isn't that what people generally want in a relationship? For their wanted partner to love their true self? Two more episodes to go. So much to unpack still. I am more than hype. And with this we say thank you for listening. Please 
find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash daotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.